0: 83,000 illegal aliens were apprehended last week attempting to enter the US illegally. That is the largest number in American history. And of course, by definition, we have no idea how many successfully entered without being apprehended. So how is the White House spinning the invasion?
1: Things are going at the border, sir. Much Since better than much much better than you all expected. <laughs> Do you have any plans to visit no, the border? No, I think. <laughs> pardon me. Do you have any plans to visit the border? Not in the near term, no. No, just be disruptive, not anything else. No, (laughs) better than expected.
0: (laughs) And for once, I think Joe Biden is telling the truth. The numbers were not, as he seems to imply, lower than expected. Border officials were bracing for upwards of 10,000 illegal aliens per day, and the numbers exceeded that. So they weren't lower, but they were better than Biden expected, because Biden, along with all the liberals of the past several decades, hoped for and expected huge migration numbers. And now they've gotten exactly what they wanted. That's why he looks so happy. The disconnect between Biden's reaction and reality is not over the numbers. The disconnect is over the meaning of the word better. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. Huge news. Miller Lite has joined its old pal Bud in coming out of the closet. We will get to that commercial in just a moment. First though, the situation at the border, it cannot be overstated <laughs> what a disaster this is. It it seems as though this is a perennial story. And so it seems as though it's news. It's not news, rather. And that is what the libs are counting on. The libs are counting on people hearing conservatives pointing out the chaos at the border saying, oh, well, they're always pointing the chaos out at the border. This is just always going on. It has never been like this. We, we are now looking at numbers that are 2x, 3x, the old Unimaginably high numbers at the border. Okay. We, we are in, in a situation right now in which Obama immigration officials will say that 1,000 migrants crossing per day overwhelms the system. And now we're looking at 4,000, 6,000, 10,000 illegal aliens per day. Some of whom very clearly are not only trying to violate the laws of our nation to improve their own lives. Some people are trying to violate the laws of our nation. To directly harm the nation, to commit acts of terror. Border Patrol arrested an Afghan who's on the terror watch list at the border. US Border Patrol agents arrested this guy uh, uh, in a group of migrants last week. They say we are vigilant in our efforts to detect and assess possible threats, and we work closely with our federal, state, and local law enforcement partners to keep communities safe. So there are two conclusions we can draw here. One is bad, and one is even worse. The bad conclusion we can draw is, golly, if U.S. Border Patrol were able to apprehend this one terrorist from Afghanistan trying to sneak over the border, how many did they not apprehend? You've got 10,000 people flooding over the border, more than 10,000 people at the peak over the last week. So how many terrorists made it through, slipped through the fingers of law enforcement? That's a bad take. That's pretty scary. But here's the worst possibility. Maybe they got the guy. This is what the libs will say. They'll say, look, we always get the really bad guys, okay? We apprehend these terrorists at the border. No big deal. See, the immigration system's working fine. When we want to get a guy, we can zero in. We can track him from Afghanistan to Guatemala to Mexico to wherever, and we can get him at the southern border, which means that the administration can control the border when it wants to. It just chooses not to. What what that conclusion would imply is that the government is not being overwhelmed here by the masses of human beings who are pouring across. No, they actually have everything totally under control. And the chaos you're seeing at the border is intentional. These people, these millions and millions of illegal aliens are being permitted into the country every year as part of an intentional plan to undermine the American political order and to change the demographics of the country, ultimately the voting demographics of the country, to change the whole way the country operates. To me, that's much darker than did some two-bit terrorist sneak across the Rio Grande. That would be very bad. But our government just allowing this to happen when when it's in full, full possession of the ability to stop it, that is much scarier. And we know that the government is corrupt because now we've got The Durham investigation, we've got the conclusions of that years-long investigation into the corruption of the FBI and the DOJ and the Obama administration in beginning to spy on Donald Trump's campaign back in 2016. And the facts that they've found are damning. Some of them are surprising. We knew things were going to be bad. This is worse than I expected, actually. And it's even kind of funny the way this all started. So according to the Durham report, The Clinton campaign decided that it was going to smear Donald Trump as a Russian asset. And the U.S. intelligence community learned about the Clinton campaign's plan to smear Donald Trump as a Russian asset. But apparently, the U.S. intelligence community learned about this plan by overhearing Russian intelligence discover the Clinton plan to, without any basis, paint Donald Trump as a Russian stooge. So according to uh, Ratcliffe's letter quoted in the Durham report, quote, In late July 2016, U.S. intelligence agencies obtained insight into Russian intelligence analysis alleging that U.S. presidential candidate Hillary Clinton had approved a campaign plan to stir up scandal against U.S. presidential candidate Donald Trump by tying him to Putin and the Russians hacking of the Democratic National Committee. I love this idea. I'm not sure exactly how it went down, but I love the idea of the CIA listening in, and they hear these Russians, and they say, da, have you here, crazy American woman, Hillary Clinton? She is now saying that Donald Trump is Russian stooge. What? Where did Hillary Clinton get the idea that I do not know, but she said she's going to paint the a scandal, And then the, the CIA is listening to this, and the CIA, or whoever is listening, I don't know who's actually spying on these people. It seems like, it, it's like that Mad Magazine cartoon. You've got spies on spies on spies on spies. But Whichever agency it was, you've got the IC broadly, the intelligence community broadly, hearing this, they know it's not true. They know that this is just some nonsense cooked up by the Clinton political campaign. So then what happens? Well, we know what happens. On August 3rd, 2016, within days of receiving the Clinton plan intelligence, director of the CIA, John Brennan, meets with the vice president, senior administration officials, the attorney general, the FBI director, and the president himself. Obama is briefed by the CIA director in the White House situation room to discuss Russian election interference efforts. And they discuss the Clinton bogus scandal they're trying to gin up against Trump. According to John Brennan's handwritten notes and his recollections from the meeting, he briefed on relevant intelligence, specific, uh, relevant intelligence, including the Clinton plan intelligence. Specifically, Director Brennan's declassified handwritten notes reflect that he briefed the meeting's participants regarding the, quote, alleged approval by Hillary Clinton on July 26th of a proposal from one of her campaign advisors to vilify Donald Trump by stirring up a scandal claiming interference by the Russian security services. End quote. We now have firm proof that not only was the Russia hoax a hoax cooked up by Hillary Clinton, the most senior people in the American government all knew it. The FBI, the CIA, the president, they all knew it and they all spied on Trump anyway. They all knew it and they all spread the lie through the media anyway. It was a complete witch hunt. And so when you see that, when you see that everybody was involved, it in, like out of the craziest conspiracy theory fever dream kind of movie screenplay. When you see everybody's involved, conservatives have to ask ourselves, we have to say how can we trust the government agencies? We've got to restore some balance to our government. We've got to restore some balance to our body. That's why you've got to check out Balance of Nature. Right now, go to balanceofnature.com. Use promo code Knowles. Living a healthy lifestyle is not always easy, especially when you're always on the go. You need simple, manageable routines to make sure you're getting the proper nutrition every day, which is why I'm a huge fan of Balance of Nature. Balance of Nature fruits and veggies are a great way to ensure you're getting essential nutritional ingredients daily. Their capsules are packed with 100% whole food that you can take at any time. Balance of Nature uses a cold vacuum process that preserves the natural phytonutrients in whole fruits and vegetables and encapsulates them for easy consumption. Balance of Nature sent a bunch of their products down to the studio for our team to try, and we all love them. Make fruits and vegetables a part of your daily diet, your body. Well, thank you. If you want to be a hulking Adonis like a little old me over here, go check it out. Go to balanceofnature.com. Use promo code Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S, for 35% off your first order as a preferred customer. That is balanceofnature.com. Promo code Knowles for 35% off your first order. Make sure you're getting those vitamins and nutrients you need. They taste great too. And unlike at the Daily Wire, hopefully around your home, all those jackals won't come and take them before you have the chance to get your fill. Promo code NOLS, 35% off your first order. It's a sad fact, but conservatives simply cannot trust the federal agencies. Between what we learned from the Durham report and what we've just seen over the past several years, but from the Catholic memoranda going around the FBI saying, we're going to infiltrate Catholic churches. We're going, to, we're going to try to cultivate priests as assets to spy on their parishes. Because if you're a traditional Catholic and you go to the Latin Mass, can you imagine heaven forfend why you're probably a, a threat? You might be a terrorist. We've got terrorists pouring across our southern border. That, that's fine. Maybe we'll pick up one or two of them. But the, the ones we really got to focus on, those Catholics those Christians, those parents who don't want their kids to be indoctrinated into critical race theory and gender theory in kindergarten. They're the real terror threat. How can we trust our own agencies? We know that they lie to destroy us. And it's not even as though they cooked up some plot to entrap or to just baselessly smear some random fringe figure. They did it to the Republican nominee for president who later became the Republican president. They'll do it to all of us. Speaking of lawlessness in government, a Democrat senator is now declaring a popular revolt if the Supreme Court affirms the Second Amendment.
1: If the Supreme Court eventually says Mm -hmm. that states or the Congress can't pass universal background checks or Mm -hmm. can't take these assault weapons off the streets, I think there's gonna be a
0: popular revolt over that policy. A court that's already pretty illegitimate is gonna be in full crisis mode. This is not just some talking head pundit mouthing off on NBC News. This is a sitting U.S. senator. This is a Democrat political leader saying, I'll tell you, the court's not legitimate. One of the three branches of government, it's not legitimate. And so if they uphold the American tradition of self-protection and the Second Amendment and the Constitution, I just think there's going to be a popular revolt. Well, it's a nice society you got there. It's a nice courthouse you got there. It's a nice civil society. Sure would be a shame if there were a popular revolt, wouldn't it? Supreme Court, I think you know what to do. Talking like a mobster. And this is what they always do. This is what they did during BLM. Mm, you're going to oppose some of the radical BLM demands. You're not going to give zillions of dollars to far left-wing groups to fund left-wing politicians. Uh, you're not going to acquiesce to the leftist policies. Oh, it's a nice business you got. Sure would be a shame if something happened to it. That's what they always tell us. What Democrat Chris Murphy is calling for here is no less than an insurrection. And he's framing his advocacy of such a thing as mere prediction. But it's not mere prediction because he's saying that the court's illegitimate. <laughs> so he's saying the court has lost legitimacy, and I I tell you, if I were a gambling man, I would imagine there might be a popular revolt. The simple sentences that Chris Murphy uttered on Meet the Press are a far more serious type of insurrection than anything that happened around January 6th, the worst day in the history of politics. It's not even close. And this is what they do. This is what they regularly do. And this is why very few things get me angry. I'm pretty even tempered, very cool. But when the squishes take the bait and for every stupid lie that they cook up about Donald Trump, they've been cooking up one lie more preposterous than the next since the 2016 campaign, all the way up to the level of the CIA director and the FBI director and the president of the United States. When the the squishes buy into this stuff, when they buy into the language around the insurrection, give me a break. The libs regularly call for insurrections. They just did so on national TV. I guess that's the difference. When the conservatives do an insurrection, it's an eccentric horn hat guy dancing around the Capitol Rotunda with police protection, getting a private tour of the Capitol. It's a granny taking a picture in the Capitol Rotunda. And when the Democrats call for an insurrection, they call for a popular revolt. They support violence in the streets, and they do so on national television. That's the difference. Now, speaking of constitutional rights and supposed constitutional rights, and President Trump for that matter, President Trump... I think he made a little bit of a misstep. And so in a spirit of friendship and love and care, I would encourage him to maybe not go down the path that he appears to be going down, which is President Trump is positioning himself to the left of Ron DeSantis on the issue of life. And I think this is a huge mistake. Trump was discussing the abortion ban, now the six-week abortion ban in Florida that that Ron DeSantis is behind. And Trump said, quote, he has to do what he has to do. If you look at what DeSantis did, a lot of people don't even know if he knew what he was doing. But he signed six weeks, and many people within the pro-life community feel that was too harsh. So just to correct the record, as a card-carrying member in good standing of the pro-life community, nobody within the pro-life community thinks six weeks is too harsh. We think that six weeks is too lenient because a person is a person no matter how small, and it's always wrong to murder people. And so if anything at all, a six-week ban is too lenient, might be a good incremental step in the right direction. But murder is either wrong or it isn't. And abortion either ends a human life or it doesn't. And there's no way to meet in the middle. We've talked about this a lot with transgenderism. Frankly, it's even clearer on the issue of abortion. There are some issues where we can find a conciliatory middle ground and everybody can kumbaya and be happy on tax rates, on immigration policy, on foreign policy, on trade, on all sorts of things. But on a question like life, it's kind of a binary question. Can we kill babies or not? Should we murder innocent little babies or not? If the baby is a baby, if abortion ends a human life, then you shouldn't be allowed to do it. If abortion does not end a human life, if the baby's not really a baby, if it's some other kind of thing, it's a mere clump of cells or it's not a human or not alive or whatever, then there's no reason that you should really limit abortion at all. This is why Hillary Clinton's answer on abortion, the safe, legal, and rare answer on abortion, is so silly. If abortion is murder, then it shouldn't be legal. If abortion is not murder, then it should not be rare. There's no reason for it to be rare. I think this is a huge mistake for Trump, too, just politically, because Trump is the guy who overruled Roe v. Wade, as he pointed out elsewhere in that statement. But that's what he's going to, that's what he should run on. He's the greatest hero to the pro-life movement that we've ever seen. Okay, run on it, win it. Americans are pro-life. The Republican base is very pro-life. Why would you ever cede that territory to your primary rival, your chief primary rival, when you've got the best record on it. It's a huge mistake to run to the left of DeSantis. The the knock on DeSantis' campaign right now is that he has support from people within the establishment. It's not even necessarily DeSantis' fault. He's just, he's not Trump. He's the biggest threat to Trump. And so people in the establishment are more inclined to support him. So if you're Trump, you know that your base, your guys are the hardcore ones. They're the bloodthirsty ones. They're the Paradoxically, though, on the issue of life, they're actually the ones who, who don't want <laughs> to, to shed blood. They're the ones who are the great defenders of life. So just go for it, man. You're Donald Trump. Be Donald Trump. Don't, don't meet people in the middle, okay? Especially on something like life, especially on something that is, that is the most important aspect of your legacy. When Donald Trump is remembered, he might be remembered for a handful of things, but the chief accomplishment that man has to his name— The most important thing that man has ever done in his life is to appoint the judges who overruled Roe v. Wade, who will, over over the course of the years, hundreds of thousands, millions of babies will be saved because of what Donald Trump did. So run on it, man. Don't cede that ground to DeSantis. Right now, DeSantis is being identified with the culture war, and the libs are furious about it. Anna Navarro over on The View, you know that— probably the most intellectual outlet on the left. I'm damning with faint praise, but that's probably what it is. Watched by lots of people. It's the highest rated show in daytime. Anna Navarro is claiming that DeSantis, he's a cynical opportunist. He's attaching himself like a parasite to manufactured culture wars. Now, I know when you're having a barbecue, what you need to do is attach that propane tank to your grill. That's why you got to check out Cinch. Right now, go to cinch.com, use promo code NOLLS. The weather is warming up in Nashville, which means that everyone's gearing up for backyard barbecues and campfires. The last thing you need to be doing while getting ready to host a barbecue is driving around worrying about where to refill your propane grill tank. That is why you need to check out Cinch. Cinch is a propane grill tank home delivery service. They deliver propane grill tanks right to your door. Cinch delivers on your schedule, requires no long-term commitment or subscription, plus delivery is completely contactless. You don't have to wait around at home. Track the order on the Cinch app from anywhere. Whether you are grilling steaks or lighting up the patio heaters on a cold night, Cinch's propane delivery service ensures that you have the fuel you need to make the most of every moment. Go online right now to cinch.com or order the Cinch app, okay? You download that app, You can make your orders. New customers can get their first tank exchange for just $10 with promo code Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S. That is Cinch.com. Or you get that Cinch app. Use promo code Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S, to get your first tank exchange for just $10. This is a limited time offer. You must live within a Cinch service area to redeem it. Go to Cinch.com, C-Y-N-C-H.com, slash offer for details. Ron DeSantis, that opportunistic Ron DeSantis, that guy who's defending norms and standards in schools, that guy who's protecting life on abortion, that guy, that jerk. You know what he's doing, according to Anna Navarro in The View? He's attaching himself like a parasite to those manufactured culture war issues.
1: And I think that the, uh, the, the town hall last
0: week showed that a lot of people in the Republicans base still really like
1: Trump's entertainment and, and, and circus. Um, Ron DeSantis has a problem. Ron DeSantis' numbers have dropped drastically since he won re-election in November. I think it's because he's attached himself like a
0: parasite to every single culture-manufactured, culture-war issue
1: he can. And people particularly Floridians, see through it. It's really kind of like an old shtick now. Drag queens, Mickey Mouse, AP, Black History courses. I mean, it's just crazy.
0: So Anna Navarro is obviously wrong on the facts. Uh, Anna Navarro is, before we get to the manufactured culture war stuff, she's claiming that there's this big distinction between Trump and DeSantis in that DeSantis, he's just this manufactured culture war character And Trump is not. Trump's not a culture war figure. Trump, the guy who got Roe v. Wade overruled. Trump, the guy who launched his presidential campaign by calling Mexicans rapists at his hotel. That Trump? No, he's not a culture war guy. No, he's a regular bushy country club Republican, right? He launched his campaign by saying the Mexicans crossing the border are rapists and murderers and some, I suppose, are good people. No, they're both culture war figures. But then, what about the manufactured culture war? The culture war has been manufactured. She's right about that. But the question you got to ask yourself is, manufactured by whom? Did conservatives manufacture the culture war? Did conservatives redefine marriage for the, for the first time ever in this fundamental way? Did conservatives redefine biology? Did conservatives call for the mass slaughter of little babies, 800000 per year? Did conservatives call for the eradication of our open border? Did conservatives, or for the eradication of our border, making it an open border? Did conservatives do this? Did conservatives do that? The culture war is always instigated by the libs, necessarily. We are conservatives. We like to conserve things. There's more to it than that, but that's broadly the way things go. Conservatives tend to be a little more normal, a little more well-adjusted, a little happier, a little more content. It's always the libs who are shrieking and screaming and trying to upend everything. So they manufacture it, and then we respond to their manufacturing, and we try to stop them from manufacturing it. (laughs) We try to export it. We try to get get it away. Whatever whatever you guys are manufacturing, we don't want it, okay? And then the libs accuse us of, of manufacturing the thing they already manufactured. What is she talking about? She's talking about drag queens, Mickey Mouse, AP Black History courses. So she's talking about, should perverts twerk for little kids? No. They manufacture it. We say, no thanks, we don't want it. Mickey Mouse, should Disney push a not-so-secret gay agenda? The words of the Disney execs, not mine. uh, No, no thank you. We don't want that. And should students be taught in school that white people are evil and America's evil and the West is the worst place ever under the guise behind the facade of black history? No, of course not. Of course not. Now, speaking of DeSantis and education, DeSantis is... Uh, on, on a tear when it comes to education, and he's pushing a classical form of education in Florida schools.
1: If you want to do things like uh, gender ideology, uh, go to Berkeley, go to some of these other places. That's fine. It's fine. And there's nothing, if that's what you want to do, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, per se. But for us, with our tax dollars, we want to focus on the classical mission of what a university is supposed to be. Uh, we don't want to be diverted into a lot of these niche subjects that are heavily politicized. Uh, we want to focus on the basic And I think what you've seen as these types of majors and course, first of all, how, how employable are you with some of these majors? I mean, really, it's, um, it's not a good uh, academic uh, a choice in terms of being able to be employable. That's one of the reasons I think this whole student loan thing, universities should be on the hook for the student loans. If that were the case, they would make sure that their curriculum was really fit to be productive for the students when they graduate.
0: Great stuff. I love it. This is an important tactic to use, one, education as a subject is very important, but the tactic is important here too. We've got to go after the liberal power centers. Universities are one of them. How do we go after them? We put them on the hook for student loans. How do we go after them? We tax those endowments. How do we go after them? We we attack their centers of power. Basic stuff. DeSantis is totally right about it. My only disagreement with him here is that he says— look, if you want to teach crazy gender stuff in Berkeley, that's fine, but we're not going to do that in Florida. My only disagreement with him is it isn't fine in California either. I get that we've got a list of priorities. Okay, we've got, to, we've got to get the wins that we can first, but we shouldn't grant them that premise. Oh, you can have California. No, the libs don't do that. It's not fine to teach this crap in California either. It's not fine to teach it in New York either. The libs never cede ground. They never say, look, If you want to not acknowledge this ridiculous transgender ideology in Tennessee, that's fine. If you don't want to radically redefine marriage in Texas, that's fine. If you don't want to have marauding gangs all over your streets in Florida, that's fine. No. The libs push nationwide to redefine the fundamental building block, to chop up little kids' bodies, to defund the police, to this, that, and the other thing. They don't, they don't respect the state borders. And frankly, we shouldn't either. This stuff is really bad. We are countrymen with the Californians and we should endeavor through appropriate and just means while respecting principles such as subsidiarity and federalism. We should endeavor to get this stuff out of California too. Sometimes the best defense is a good offense. You've got to give yourself a little bit of ideological breathing room, okay? This is what aroused so much ire at my CPAC speech. It's one of the reasons that they lied about me all the way up to the White House and and put words into my mouth is because they were horrified by the plain words that I did say, which is, no, we're not going to fight the transgender battle over should it be eight-year-olds or nine-year-olds being trans. We're going to fight it over whether— transgenderism is real or not and by the way it's not real and we need to eradicate the whole I- ideology from public life that puts the libs on their heels and so now all of a sudden they've got to defend transgenderism and while they're defending transgenderism they're not trying to trans the 7 year olds they're fighting a, 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 a an earlier battle same thing goes for education if we go on the offense and we say now we're going to pass laws to make it illegal to teach this gender crap or race hate or whatever stuff they're teaching in California, we're going to do it in their states. Every second that they're fighting that issue, every dollar they spend trying to d- defend critical race theory in California, that's a, that's a moment, that's a dollar that they're not spending trying to push their ideology onto you in Tennessee and Texas and Florida. Speaking of Speaking of these viral, communicable diseases. That's how I I view liberalism now. It's It's like a communicable disease that we just need to contain in the way that we contain communism, in the way we contain a pandemic. But speaking of virality, this is the most troubling story I've seen all week. And it has nothing to do with the border or the 2024 race or any of that. It has to do with an Instagram lady has to do with a social media influencer. She's 23 years old. She's got 1.8 million followers on Snapchat alone to say nothing of the other social media platforms. Her name is Karen Marjorie, and she has created a chatbot. Her chatbot is called Chat or Karen AI, and users of this chatbot pay $1 per minute to speak to a robot that pretends to be her. And in the first week of its beta test, this woman made $70,000. I'm looking over at my producer, Ben Davies, over We're in the wrong line of work. We, oh man, I should have just been a young hot chick. And then can you imagine how much, especially one with nerd techie friends, because then you don't actually have to do anything at all. You can outsource even social media, thirst traps. You can outsource even that to an algorithm. Now, what does this gal say? She says, Karen AI will never replace me. Karen AI is simply just an extension of me, an extension of my consciousness. Because her shtick is that she amasses all these followers who are these young, lonely men who... Presumably don't have girlfriends or don't care about their girlfriends very much. And so they're chatting with this phantom of a human being over Snapchat, over Instagram DMs. And this is how she makes her money and becomes popular. But there were too many guys, so she just outsourced it to a robot. She says Karen AI is going to come fill that gap. She says that Karen AI might cure loneliness. Quote, whether you need somebody to be comforting or loving... Or you just want to rant about something that happened at school or at work. Karen AI will always be there for you. This is the saddest thing I've read in a very long time. But it's working. She thinks that this, that this operation could make her millions of dollars. Of not only a month, maybe a week. Who knows? 70 grand in the beta test? That's unbelievable. And it, and it might. Why does this work, though? It doesn't just work because of the new technology. It works because of the way society already operates. This is what's so damning about the whole thing. This is what's so depressing. The reason that this chatbot thing works is because the chatbot isn't all that different from regular modern social interaction. So much regular modern social interaction is shallow, transactional, and virtual, so shallow in that we don't we don't treat one another as eternal beings uh, with whom we're endeavoring to create a life and to learn something about reality and to build something up together and to have children. No one's having children, no one's getting married. It's transactional. The, the modern dating culture is, is a hookup culture. It's, it's like out of an Ayn Rand novel. You just, you don't, you don't lay down with somebody because you love this person and this person's your spouse and you're open to life and you're going to have a big family and a good life. No, you just do it because, okay, I want to feel good tonight and you're reasonably pleasing to me and hopefully the same is true in the other direction. So we'll do that, but no strings attached, no nothing. We certainly won't have kids. We won't get married. And a lot of it's just virtual. My friends who were on the dating apps, I missed the dating apps because sweet little Elisa and I got back together just when that was starting to come out. So I've never been on them, but my friends who were on them all they ever really do is just send messages. Occasionally, they'll go on dates, I guess. But those of you who are on dating apps know this better than I do secondhand. So much of the time you spend with dating apps is just on the app, just messaging. Even when you're off the app, what are you doing? You're just texting people. It's all just virtual. So what's the difference? When I'm in the room with a real human being, I can I can still, t- today, tell the difference between a human being and a robot. But if you're just Texting with somebody? If all you want to do is just get your jollies off or rant or complain or whatever, what is the difference between Karen AI and Karen Marjorie, a 23 year old Snapchat girl? Practically speaking, there isn't one. Now, if you're looking for something interesting to watch and you don't want to just talk to robots all the time, you got to check out our series, What We Saw, hosted by storyteller Bill Whittle. Season one is focused on Apollo 11 and now season two of what we saw is in full swing. This time, Bill paints a bleak picture of the growing existential threat to America due to Soviet Russia and Cuba. In episode 10, we are transported to Vietnam and the Gulf of Tonkin, where North Vietnamese torpedo boats attack the USS Maddox, plunging us further into the Cold War. How big a price will we pay in our efforts to prevent communism from spreading outside of Vietnam? Bill makes you feel like you are there witnessing history— New episodes of the Cold War come out every week, but you've got to be a member to see it. Go to dailywire.com slash coldwar to start watching. My favorite comment yesterday is from Old Schooled. Hey, it's been a while since we've seen a comment from Old Schooled. comment is, it's foolish to think that people who are willing to break the law in order to enter the country will also be willing to follow the law when they get here. So true. I really like that. Because politics... It's both much more complicated than people pretend that it is, and also paradoxically much simpler. There are all sorts of details to fill in and nuances, but it's pretty much just that. Ronald Reagan said it very well. He was asked about illegal immigration. He said, illegal immigration is illegal. It's not that complicated. The kind of people that you attract when you don't enforce the law, they're criminals. <laughs> and so you're You're not getting your best. To quote Donald Trump, they're not sending their best, okay? Now, the most important story of the day. I don't want to forget about immigration. Forget about the economy collapsing. Forget about the bank runs. Forget about World War III. I want to congratulate Miller Lite. Miller Lite is following its own truth. It's going against... The conservative cancel mob. Okay, it's standing up. Miller Lite is at least as gay as Bud Light. Take it away.
1: Here's a little known fact. Women were among the very first to brew beer ever. From Mesopotamia to the Middle Ages to
0: colonial America, women were the ones doing the brewing. Centuries later, how did the industry
1: pay homage to the founding mothers of beer? They put us in bikinis.
0: Look at this! Shit. Wild! It's time beer made it up to women. So today, Miller Lite is on a mission to clean up not just their shit, but the whole beer industry's shit.
1: Miller Lite has been scouring the internet for all this shit and buying it back so that they can turn it into good shit for women brewers. Literally, good shit. How, you ask? Ladies, take it away. First, we turn the bad shit into compost. Then we feed compost to worms, Push out beautiful fertilizer. That good helps
0: farmers grow quality hops. Which is then donated to women brewers to make their own really good. Shit. But there's definitely more out there in your attic, in the garage, in your parents' basement. Send any shit you got into Miller Lite, and they'll turn that into good too. Oh. So here's to women because without us, there would be no beer. This is the Cleopatra of Bud Light commercials. This, this is Miller Light is now the Netflix of brewers. Actually, did you know beer was invented by women? I mean, it wasn't, but we're, but let's just say so. Did you know actually Cleopatra was black? I can't wait for the next uh, documentary from Netflix on George Washington starring Spike Lee. It's going to be really great. <laughs> this is, so, okay, there's this historical claim is that beer was invented by women or has been produced by women for centuries or whatever, which is obviously not true. If you're going to give credit to any group, I guess you should give it to monks, right? Wasn't it the monks who really began brewing and popularizing beer? Okay, fine. Then you get to the next level, which is, in the past, we've sold beer by putting pictures of pretty women in bikinis on our advertisements. And that was terrible. So now we're going to put very angry feminists... Wearing very, very sort of frumpy clothing. That's how we're going to sell beer to our customer base. That's totally going to convince them. And then the third part, which irritates me, frankly, even more than the first two, which is women saying that we, we love to say naughty language. You know, if I say S-H-I-T, that's, that's going to make me cool and hip. It's like all these female comedians who just think if they talk about their genitals and say some four-letter words, that's a, a, a substitute for a joke and for comedy. It's not. It's not at all. Miller Lite, huh? You know what I say? Miller Lite and the loafers is what they are these days. <laughs> I'll see myself out now. Good night, everybody. Now, it's, it's, it's differently woke than the Bud Light commercial. And I should point out, the, the Miller Lite commercial came out before the Bud Light commercial and no one noticed it and people are only noticing it now after the big backlash. So I'm sure Miller executives are doing their best to try to downplay this commercial. I bet it was Bud Light opposition researchers who found this for Miller and they're popularizing this right now. But it, it's differently woke. The Bud Light commercial, the Bud Light can with Dylan Mulvaney was woke in that it was adopting this radical new anthropology so it was positioning itself as fun and happy and light. With Miller, you're seeing the flip side of wokeness, or the flip side of liberalism. That's all it really is. Just, just use the basic old word, which is the really negative, angry side, the side of resentment, the side with a chip on the shoulder. It, it's the same practical effect, which is insulting the people who actually buy these beers. But you're seeing both sides. There's the Happy, glitzy facade, and then the underlying angry reality of it. As I've said before, though, I'm not worried about Miller Lite now. Oh, no, I can't drink Miller Lite. Or, oh, no, I can't drink Bud Light. Because I prefer to drink White Claw when I'm drinking a canned alcohol. And White Claw is already so gay that it will never have to prove its liberal bona fides by pandering to the Wokies or by insulting its customer base, which is great. I love that. I get to drink my mango hard seltzer in peace. Speaking of the plans of of the Wokies, the revolution goes marching on. We don't have time really to get into this yet, so I'll just tease it. You know I've been teasing you for the past week or so. This is a headline from the New York Times. Why some companies are saying diversity and belonging instead of diversity and inclusion. You know, diversity, equity, and inclusion, that was, for the past five or six years, that's been the slogan used by the liberal apparatchiks whose job it is in universities and companies to stir up trouble and uh, insult white people and insult men and, and make everybody angry at one another. So they're changing the term, as they always change the term. The old one is diversity and inclusion. The new one is diversity and belonging. The New York Times wasted so many words explaining why this is. I know exactly why this is. I actually wrote a book about why this is. The book is called Speechless, Controlling Words, Controlling Minds. We'll get into that story along with several others tomorrow. Now, though, you can see if you're watching the show right now, I am on the road. I'm very, very excited. I'm here in sunny California. My producer, Mr. Ben Davies, has brought the iPad on the road, so I'll get to chat with you in the segmentum membrorum. It's the new way we're declining that phrase. And we've got an extra story, okay? We've got an extra story here that Ben Davies has picked out. I have not read it yet, so I will bring to bear all of my uh, acumen, all of my insight, and I will chat with you. If you're not a member yet, you go to dailywire.com slash Use promo code Knowles. Get two months free on an annual plan. We'll see you at the segmentum membrorum.